Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Juliette Schooling-Latter, and today I'm joined by Giles Rothbart, co-manager of BlackRock European Dynamic. Hi, Giles. Hi, Juliette. Thank you for having me. Um, The race for a vaccine is on. I wonder how many are in trials at the moment? It's a, um, it's a great question. So let me start off by doing the essential BlackRock disclaimer that, of course, anything that uh, I talk about here is not an investment recommendation, but uh, purely factual um, uh, analysis of what we've, uh, what we've seen so far. So there are, the good news on the vaccines is that there are more than 100 vaccines uh, in development. And we have been spending a lot of time uh, as, a, as a firm and as a team uh, in looking uh, at what, um, how successful these vaccines might be. Why? Because we've got a, a process of the fund and the team which is incredibly earnings and cash flow driven. We are just trying to identify uh, the greatest inefficiencies uh, in uh, earnings and cash flow dynamics anywhere that we can find in the market. And when we think about 2021 and 2022, then the outcomes of the va- uh, for the vaccines and whether or not we're going to be still in these horrible rolling lockdowns uh, couldn't be more important. So out of the um, out of the hundred vaccines in development, we're really focused on five, and we're focused on those five because they we are uh, confident that it should they be successful, uh, they would be they'd have a meaningful volume rollout, and we're focused on those five because we're expecting all five. Uh, to have phase three readouts, so in other words, the final stage before Christmas. So what have we got? We, uh, we think that up first is likely to be Pfizer. Initially, they thought that they might have early trial results out by the end of October. Clearly, we're a couple of days after that now. Uh, the CEO was out um, within the last 10 days saying it's more likely to be mid-November. Uh, but we think that the phase two Trial uh, data looks pretty um, resilient. Uh, sorry, look, looks pretty um, positive on that front. Uh, it's an mRNA-based vector vaccine, uh, which means that there will there could uh, be infrastructure um, challenges, should we say, in getting this to the population. You've got to move it around at minus eighty degrees, and the vaccine is is two doses taken one month apart. Uh, so it's not without its challenges, but the phase two data looks good. The Moderna uh, phase two data uh, we think might be next. That actually looks a little bit better to us than um, uh, than the Pfizer data. It's got a, a better response rate uh, in the elderly and as good a response rate in the elderly as it does in the 18 to 55 category. But it's another uh, mRNA-based vector vaccine, so uh, one to be um, a little bit uh, just cautious of in terms of that that rollout. The um, the one that I suppose I suppose we are least positive, uh, which is slightly unfortunate as we sit in the UK, is the AstraZeneca uh, Oxford uh, vaccine data. Um, it, it's looking for a uh, slightly less efficacious primary endpoint, uh, and then it's had a um, a delay because of safety issues, particularly in the US, uh, with one patient uh, developing uh, inflammation of the spine. And then the uh, the final the final two that we really that we do expect before Christmas uh, would be the Novavax vaccine and the J and J Johnson and Johnson uh, vaccine. Those are more common based uh, vaccines. So J and J, for instance, is is, is essentially injecting a common cold 
uh, into and is a more traditional vaccine uh, development. So lots going on at the moment, incredibly relevant for you know, market direction and, and the composition of that as we go into 2021. And how confident are you that one will work and how soon could it come to the market? <laughs> Great question. So if we knew nothing about that phase two data and simply looked for, for what I guess we'd call the external point of view, what, how likely is a um, vaccine to work if it's had decent phase two data to get approval at phase three? And the answer for respiratory vaccines, when we look at historic examples, is around 80%. So I guess one way to think about this is that we've got five shots on goal uh, between now and, and hopefully Christmas, each with, a, with, an, with an 80% chance of, of hitting the back of the net. So you know, we've, we've got to be, I think, cautiously optimistic uh, that we could well be moving into this final phase for the market of this COVID downturn, uh, whether it should be light at the end of the tunnel. Giles, um, some people have suggested that getting a vaccine is one thing but getting people to take it is another. I wonder what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, and then, and then you know, on top of that, I guess it's the speed of the rollout. So um, how do we think about that? Well, certainly on the, on the speed of the rollout, we're pretty sure that we're about to start breaking records. If there is a successful vaccine, this will be both produced and made available uh, in a speed which, which will simply trounce any previous um, vaccine rollout. In, in short, you know, you don't you don't go short human ingenuity, if you like, within a fund, and never has so much human capital and effort been focused on solving just just one problem. So on that front, we're really you know we're really pretty optimistic that um, that these companies and the governments have have been working hard to to think about the infrastructure rollout. The other thing that clearly has been has started and, and has started in earnest just over the course of the last few days. Is, is the softer campaign, as you say, to try to make sure that people feel safe uh, taking this vaccine. So to an extent, I think this is likely to be an element of uh, some carrot and some stick. So uh, the, um, that various ideas will come through to persuade people that it's safe and you know, government advertising campaigns. And then there will, there'll be the, the nudge, if you like. So whether that is each and every country demanding uh, vaccination uh, certificates when when you arrive at their borders might be uh, one idea. So clearly, at the moment, if you travel to various countries, you are required to show a certificate that you've had a test. The same thing could be true that you've had a vaccine. So by all means, that you can um, you can avoid the vaccine if you want to, but you the um, the opportunity is for you to travel around the world might be severely limited. That might be enough for many people to nudge them in the um, in the right direction. So I, th- I think there is there is likely to be an element of of carrot and stick. The other interesting debate, and you know, different countries will land in a different way on this, is what's the right way to roll out a vaccine? Do you go for the vulnerable and the elderly first, which might intuitively feel right, or do you try and find your super spreaders in society? I don't know if Julia, you're you're down the nightclub on a Friday night, uh, and they, they usually yeah, first up. <laughs> uh, for the as a vaccine super spreader, but you know that that uh, in, in the research, it's an interesting idea that that might be a faster way uh, to essentially achieve a, an immunity through through the population. So lots of different questions, um, but these are these are uh, certainly for the rollout phases that have been run in parallel 
to the trial results going ahead. So for many of these vaccines, the doses have in fact already been produced uh, and we very much hope that they're successful rather than having to be uh, having to be thrown in the bin and destroyed. That's interesting stuff. Thank you. Um, and we're aware of the impact of the virus lockdowns, um, but what do earnings statements and company management meetings tell you about the current impact of the lockdowns? I think changing over time is the best way that we would we'd frame uh, most of the companies that we we. Uh, have spoken to over the course of the year and indeed very recently. So if we think about the first lockdowns, there was clearly an immense you know, worry and panic within equity markets about what that might mean. But most companies will have adapted incredibly quickly to either working from home or Zooms or WebEx or whatever it might be. Uh, and that has, uh, that has meant that the resilience of many sectors, and particularly anything to do with the consumer, has really shone through over the course of this year. And you've had various different um, components of um, subsectors that are selling into the consumer. So companies selling electronics goods or indeed making semiconductors um, to supply to those companies, or indeed the luxury, the European luxury goods companies who are... Uh, reporting Q3 earnings of anything up to double-digit percent organic growth on a year-on-year basis. So for some of these companies, it's almost as though COVID isn't happening. So companies have adapted really pretty quickly. When we think about what a second lockdown means, the answer, I suspect, is going to end up being incrementally better again because they know what to expect. The consumers know what to expect. And, um, and therefore, those companies that have already given some element of guidance as to, as to Q4 uh, have, um, have sounded fairly optimistic about the impact of restrictions across the whole of Europe. So I'd point you to, um, to um, Bank of Ireland CEO talking last week uh, on, um, on TV, talking about the Irish economy being much more resilient in this lockdown versus previous lockdowns. Why? Because schools have been kept open is a really primary reason. That means um, that that working uh, parents can get to work, um, that construction sites have been left open, whatever it might be, the the governments have also been a bit smarter about the way that they've imposed uh, lockdown restrictions. So we're we're left with a starting point now of markets have panicked about second waves, it is possible, possible that, that those second waves um, might start to see a, a, a flattening fairly soon and a change in the second derivative, that consumers and businesses have learned to adapt to lockdowns a little bit better than they, um, they had done the first time around, all with this overhang of a potential that successful vaccine announcement coming really any week now. And if a vaccine does come through, um, does that materially change market leadership, do you think? I think it has an enormous impact on, on some sectors that have had a pretty torrid time during 2020. So, you know, which sectors have been hardest hit by uh, the impact of, of COVID-19? Well, clearly any sector which has gone, which has swung from uh, highly cash flow positive to, uh, to loss making. So think that things like the, things like the airlines, uh, hotel companies, which have seen occupancies just collapse, uh, or indeed um, cruise companies. 
The other, the other sector, which is you know even larger in its um, in the the composition of the markets, is the is the banks, and clearly the market has panicked that this downturn uh, will be, if anything, worse than anything that the European banking sector has seen at any point over the last decade. Which is no mean feat. Remember, they've gone through the sovereign debt crisis. They've gone through Euro double dip recession. Um, they've really, uh, they've really been through the wars over the course of the last ten years. This time around, you know, the when I look at market consensus um, and where the where the prices are uh, at an individual equity level, there is clearly panic in the markets. And should a vaccine come through? then I would expect to see enormous earnings upgrades on those sectors, where as losses that are uh, currently in forecast get, um, uh, get revised uh, lower. I'd expect um, lending volumes to uh, accelerate. And I would expect a re-rating of many shares within the, um, within the European banking space. And so, you know, really, it could well be game-changing for big sectors that have been some of the worst performers over the course of 2020 uh, if we end up in a 2021, uh, which, is, which, is, which is a better year. Well, uh, we live in hope. Giles, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. If you'd like more information about BlackRock European Dynamic, please visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed are at the time of recording and could change. And remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening.